Welcome to The Authority File, the academic library podcast from Choice. Choice is a publishing division of the ACRL and the publisher of Choice Reviews and CC Advisor. This episode is brought to you by Annual Reviews. I'm Bill Mickey, the host of the podcast and the editorial director at Choice. And for this four-episode series, I'm joined by Richard Gallagher, the president and editor-in-chief of Annual Reviews, a nonprofit science publisher with a unique content model that's about to get a whole lot more interesting. But before we introduce this second episode, I'd like to ask you, our listeners, for a little help. We've created a survey about our podcast, and I'd like to invite you to fill it out. Your answers will help us understand what you like about the authority file, what you don't like about it, and what you think we can do to improve it. I'll bet it only takes you about 10 minutes to fill out, and if you want, you can enter to win a $25 Amazon gift card. You can access the survey at www.research.net slash r slash authority file. That's www.research.net slash r slash authority file. Okay, on to the second episode. Annual Reviews is embarking on a new strategy to make its subscription-based content open access, and one of the nonprofit organization's first steps was to secure grant funding to make its journal, the Annual Review of Public Health, free to access. The company essentially tested the waters with that journal, using the grant to explore the impact of OA content on its business model and to see how a broader audience might engage with it. The experiment was a success, and Richard and I talk about the results as well as how the company will be moving forward with a plan to make OA sustainable long term. Okay, so um, in, in, in 2017, you made that year's uh, annual review of public health open access under a um, CCBY share alike license, um, along with all of the back issue content to, to 1980. Um, can you talk about why you selected public health as your first uh, open access um, title? Yeah, um, in 2016, we were trying to find a way to test the impact that open access would have on the usage of our reviews. And when the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation issued a request for proposals on openness and transparency in research, we saw that as a tremendous opportunity. The annual review of public health is content that's of broad societal significance, but um, access was restricted to subscribing institutions. And here was the chance that we wanted to see how opening up the content would affect the impact. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation provided us with the funds to publish the 2017 volume open access. And at the same time, we made the back volumes freely available although those um, licenses weren't converted to open access. And it was an experiment that was conducted with the full support of the editorial committee and the board of directors of annual reviews. Good. Um, Why did you feel the need to put the share alike condition on on the review? Uh, Fairness, essentially. Uh, The advantage of share alike is that future users can add new restrictions to a derivative of the work they have to be licensed in the same way. And uh, for instance, Wikipedia uses this as their main license and we took that as, a, as our um, example and, and uh, felt that that was the fairest uh, license that we could use. Okay. Um, so talk about sort of what, you know, as, as you received the grant from, from Robert Wood Johnson, um, 
can you talk a little bit about sort of the behind the scenes perspective, um, you know, at, at around that time in terms of transitioning the journal to open access? Um, you know, I imagine even though you received the grant to do that, there was there was going to be an ongoing financial um, sort of uh, process that you needed to um, go through uh, and, and sort of a longer term um, strategic and mission-based deliberation you need to make. Can you, can you sort of talk about those discussions? So the, the grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation came in two parts. One part um, replaced the subscription income for the annual review of public health for 2017, allowing us to try out open access. And the other part provided funds to help us to develop a sustainable open access business model. Now we're only now in a position to test that model. Uh, it's called subscribe to open. So mm -hmm. the short answer is we haven't yet um, permanently transitioned to open access, but we've uh, we've seen we've we've seen what it looks like, and we and and we like what we see. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's go back to you know 2017. Um, in that year, you made the you made that edition um, open access. I imagine you were very. Um, curious to see how that might uh, perform in terms of engagement from from the broader community. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you, uh, you know, sort of a quantifiable sort of perspective on, on that engagement and how that went? Uh, well, qualifying uh, rather than quantifying, we were blown away by it. Oh, good. Um, an example of the numbers, November is the month that we see the most usage on annual reviews titles. In November of 2016, before we went to open access, the annual review of public health had 33,000 downloads. In November 2018, when we were open access, that had gone up to 146,000. So from 33,000 to 146,000. When it was a subscription-only journal, um, researchers and students at around 2,000 institutions in 57 countries had access to the journal. When it was open access for a six-month period, 9,900 institutions um, across 132 different countries um, accessed the title. And this included uh, a lot more universities and corporations, but also government and state agencies, NGOs, schools, hospitals, and, and even prisons. So I, I think the impact really was colossal. Talk about how, how did you, um, you know, how did the, all of these other, what, what, what would be considered non-subscribers, I guess, um, find the content? Um, how did you encourage discovery? How did you let folks know that this content was now available to them? Um, what was going on in, in sort of that part of the operation? The increases started on day one when we opened up the content and that's partly because of the way that Google and Google Scholar indexed the content. It meant that the public health articles appeared much higher up in searches and so mm -hmm. people were were able to see it and they clicked on it um, and it just really took off from there. We have done some but not a huge amount of marketing of it. Uh, and that's been mainly to public health professionals. It's mainly been um, it's it's mainly been people have discovered us by by search uh, using their regular search engines. Mm -hmm. And the other really interesting thing to note is um, 
we speculated that people might click on the content but they may not read through it. So we uh, used an app to measure how far through the articles users were scrolling and we weren't able to compare pre-open access and post-open access but we compared our uh, open access journal with similar titles that we publish in let's say clinical psychology and the annual review of medicine and, and so on right. and we found that there was essentially no difference in how far people scrolled through the article in fact if anything and it wasn't statistically significant but if anything people scrolled further through the public health articles mm -hmm. so we concluded from that that not only were people discovering the article um, more but they were at least as interested in the content as the um, previous um, gated community of of, of users uh, found it so right. it was it was overall uh, very encouraging good were there any um, sort of markets or area of, of the market that um, or readership that you were surprised to see engaging with it or um, maybe folks that you hadn't anticipated would, would be reading the content? Um, well, two things. It surprised me that we were getting accesses and in quite large numbers by uh, Doctors Without Borders and Amnesty mm. International and organizations like that. Uh, the the strangest one of all was that there were something around 50 downloads from the Singapore prison service and I don't know what's going on there I've, I keep meaning to follow up with them I wonder were they teaching a course to inmates or something like that but you know it's all good um, right. some surprising stuff you know to, to go from um, 2000 uh, institutional libraries to somewhere around seven eight thousand institutional libraries show that even within the core academic community there's huge um, uh, scope for, for, for increased um, readership. You just heard from Richard Gallagher, President and Editor-in-Chief of Annual Reviews. This concludes the second of our four-part series on annual reviews and its shift to an open access publishing model. This episode was brought to you by Annual Reviews. Be sure to join us for the next episode where we'll talk about Annual Reviews' left turn into the consumer market with the launch of the free digital-only Knowable magazine, which fits squarely into Annual Reviews' ambition to bring science-based scholarly content to the general reader, but with a journalistic twist. Well, the idea was to uh, use high-quality science journalism to make scientific research of all kinds accessible and enjoyable. Um, it's a mix of articles, essays, interviews, uh, with infographics, comics, and slideshows. Don't forget to fill out our new listener survey, which will help us understand what you like about The Authority File and podcasts in general, and what you think we can do to improve it. Access the survey at www.research.net slash r slash authority file. That's www.research.net slash r slash authority file. You can find all of the episodes of The Authority File on your favorite podcast app or on our website, choice360.org. Just click on the librarianship dropdown. On choice360.org, you'll also find information on Choice's entire product platform, including Choice Reviews, CC Advisor, Choice Webinars, resources for college libraries, our white papers, and a whole lot more. 
A great way to keep up with the Authority File is to join the Choice Authority File Facebook group, which you can access via the Choice Reviews Facebook page. As a member of the group, you can give us feedback, suggest podcast participants, chat with other listeners, and submit new topic ideas. Sponsorship and advertising for the Authority File podcast are handled by Choice's advertising manager, Pam Marino, and the production and editing are done by Choice's digital media specialist, Mark Dirks. That's all for this week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.